Rocking the Catholic World on Monday, Pope Benedict XVI, formerly and soon to be known once again as Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, announced his resignation, effective the 28th of February. This event, the first resignation of a pope in 600 years, since Gregory VII resigned in 1415 during the Great Schism of the Church, has caused much discussion amongst the Catholic faithful. Nearly all 266 popes have served until their death. Benedict is to retire to the Mater Ecclesia, or Mother Church Convent, founded in 1992 by John Paul II in the Vatican City, and will be tended by the nuns who look after him now. The New York Times reported that Ratzinger is departing to a life of solitude hidden from the world, quoting the Pope as stating, Though I am now retiring to a life of prayer, I will always be close to all of you, and I am sure all of you will be close to me, even though I remain hidden to the world. Benedict, 85, and increasingly frail, told the assembly of hundreds of priests who had greeted him with a long-standing ovation and some tears. The Guardian newspaper reported, At the end of the Mass, the thousands of worshippers erupted into minutes-long applause for Benedict with cries of, Vive il Pope! Long live the Pope! Echoing around the vast basilica, end quote. However, the question of the Pope's quietly retiring out of view has been disputed. Time magazine reported on Ratzinger's influence on the next Pope. It said, The former Pope in the Vatican will be a formidable weight on the shoulders of his successor, says Andre Tornielli, Vatican correspondent for La Stampa, and a historian. Thus, just by watching from the sidelines, Ratzinger will be aptly able to champion his conservative theology and social policies, an uber-pope of sorts, says Tornielli. I can hardly imagine Ratzinger's successor, while Ratzinger is still living, reversing one of Ratzinger's decisions, not because he is still in the Vatican, but because he is still alive. It opens a whole range of problems that are not so easily resolved. People say he will not have an influence on the conclave, says Tornielli. Of course he will. Cardinals must be free when they choose, but of course they'll be less free with Ratzinger still alive. End quote. Reuters reported the influence of the current Pope on the upcoming conclave as well. It stated, Pope Benedict is assembling a last testament to his Roman Catholic Church, urging its leaders to put aside their rivalries and to think only of the unity of the faith. The message slipped into statements, both before and after his shock resignation announced on Monday, reads like a veiled rebuke to leading cardinals jockeying for influence in the upcoming conclave, and in the papacy that it will produce. The current Pope made an interesting statement in a speech in October. He said, In the Lord's fields there are always weeds, and in Peter's nets there are also bad fish. The man who will end up wearing the white fish hat will not be known until white smoke puffs up the chimney of the Sistine Chapel following the papal conclave that is set to begin on March 15th. This time it will require the traditional two-thirds majority of the cardinals to elect a new pope, as Benedict changed the 1996 conclave rules issued by Pope John Paul II. The wild speculation has begun as to who the successor of St. Peter will be. Some of the candidates being put forward by Time magazine are for a black pope, Cardinal Peter Turkson of Ghana, age 64, a French-Canadian pope, Cardinal Marc Ouellet, age 68, 
and an Italian pope, Cardinal Angelo Scola, 71, currently Archbishop of Milan. Well, one thing is for sure, this matter is by the decree of the watchers, and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. Daniel 4, verse 17. Whatever fish ends up wearing the fish hat, God is drawing the curtain on the kingdom of men to a close, and the fate of Rome is sealed. Fairly soon, people will not be holding their breath to watch white smoke ascend up the chimney of the Sistine Chapel, but they will be watching the smoke of the Vatican itself ascend as it is cremated in its entirety. We read in Revelation 18, verses 8 to 10, Her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her, and the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. At this time, the kings of the earth won't be mourning the resignation of the Pope. They will be mourning the destruction of this wicked system altogether. The crimes of the Inquisition will be recompensed. Ratzinger, before becoming Pope, was head of the supreme sacred congregation of the Roman and Universal Inquisition, politically corrected in name to the prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. The cry of the saints of ages gone by will be answered. Those that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Revelation 6, verses 6 to 9. This will be God's righteous destruction and a cause of great rejoicing amongst the saints and all those who have been resurrected after being slain by this wicked whore. We read in Revelation 19 verses 1 to 3, After these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up for ever and ever. The curious thing in the resignation of the Pope is the position the Pope holds in the Catholic world. The Catholic Church and the world is at a loss as to what Ratzinger's actions actually mean. The Economist reported, Benedict is one of the only a handful of popes ever to resign, and the first for almost six centuries. Vatican spokesman Father Lombardi could not say what Benedict's title would be, nor how Christ's vicar on earth should be addressed in retirement. The article went on to state, Popes have always suffered to the end, notably Benedict's predecessor, John Paul II. In a comment the Vatican said has been taken out of context, the late pontiff's secretary, Cardinal Stanislaw Diswiz, said, One doesn't come down from the cross. Time magazine reported, the Pope must have felt very lonely in taking this decision, says a well-placed member of the Curia, the secretive bureaucracy that runs the Vatican. After all, there is no one higher up than him to defer the choice to. Above him, there is only God. 
The papal announcement, delivered in Latin, stunned the church. Here was a pope in the ultimate exercise of free will, giving up his throne and his role as the vicar of Christ. This statement hints at the place that the pope holds in the Catholic Church. A look at church history defines it more clearly. It was Boniface who, in 1302, said, Furthermore, we declare, we proclaim, we define that it is absolutely necessary for salvation that every human creature be subject to the Roman pontiff. Pope Leo XIII, when discussing the role of the Catholic Church and its relationship to those who had left it, said, It is impossible to think of such a large portion of mankind deviating, as it were, from the right path as they move away from us, and not experiencing a sentiment of innermost grief, since we hold upon this earth the place of God Almighty. He later stated, The supreme teacher in the church is the Roman pontiff. Union of minds, therefore, require, together with a perfect accord in the one faith, complete submission and obedience to the will of will to the church and to the Roman pontiff as to God himself. The high office to which the Pope is elevated is highlighted by the words of leaders in the Catholic Church over the ages. John Tetzel, the famous seller of indulgences, proceeds from which went to build, uh, went to fund the building of St. Peter's Basilica during the time of Martin Luther, had the following to say, The Lord our God no longer reigns. He has resigned all power to the Pope. Pope Pius X took this to a new level. He said, The Pope is not only the representative of Jesus Christ, but he is Jesus Christ himself, hidden under the veil of the flesh. Does the Pope speak? It is Jesus Christ who speaks. This was written in 1895. Based on the Catholic doctrine of the Trinity, if the Pope is Jesus Christ, hidden under the flesh, he is also God, hidden under the flesh, because they believe that God is Jesus Christ. This view of a man is completely blasphemous. However, it isn't a surprise to Bible students because the scriptures speak of a system that would elevate its leader to this position. We read in 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 3 and 4, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, an apostasy, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, or lawlessness, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Well, you couldn't find a more fitting description for the way the popes see themselves, as God sitting in the temple of God, showing themselves to be God. The Apostle Paul is making reference to the prophet Daniel, who saw the same thing. We read in Daniel chapter 11, verses 36 to 39, The king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself, and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous or blasphemous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that that is determined shall be done, neither shall he regard the, god, regard the god of his fathers, nor the desire of women, a reference to celibacy, nor regard any god, for he will magnify himself above all. But in his estate he shall honor the gods of forces, or the worship of saints, and a god who his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and precious stone and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange god, whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory, 
and shall cause them to rule over many, and shall divide the land for gain. While the world waits for the elevation of a new pope, who will be exalted above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God will sit in the supposed temple of God, showing himself that he is God, we wait for the true chief shepherd to appear, the one who will put an end to the proud, blasphemous assertions of the papacy, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Second Thessalonians 2, verses 8 to 10. In the next few weeks, millions will be massing in St. Peter's to fawn over a decrepit old man of sin who has been elevated by a conclave of contaminated cardinals, drunk with the wine of Rome's fornication, stained with the mark of the beast in their foreheads, living in the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird, who repent not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk, neither repent they of their murders, nor their sorceries, nor their fornications, nor their thefts. Smoke will shortly ascend up the chimney of the Sistine Chapel, but our anticipation should be for the smoke of her burning to ascend. For when this smoke clears, the kingdom of God will have been established, and God will have destroyed the face of the covering cast over all people, and the veil that is spread over all nations, Isaiah 25, verse 7. In that day, a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made, each one for himself to worship, to the moles and to the bats, it go, to go into the clefts of the rock and into the tops of the ragged mountains for fear of God and for the glory of his majesty when he ariseth to shake the earth terribly. Isaiah 2, verses 20 to 21. Rome will fall, as the scriptures tell us. Revelation 18:21. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. Jerusalem, on the other hand, will be elevated, as we read in Isaiah 2, verses 2 to 3. It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, for he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. May God speed on that day. For the Bible and the News, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.